Hey Calgary, this is Sean Boonstra, host of TV's Authentic. If you've been paying attention, you know this world is starting to feel like it's coming unhinged with wars, pandemics, natural disasters, and unrest. And it turns out that Bible prophecy actually talks about this stuff and shows us where we're headed. Join me for a free event called Revelation Speaks Peace starting April 14 at the Windsport Event Center. Claim your free seat right now at revelationspeakspeace.com. Welcome to the Lessons for Living television program. My name is Bill Santos. Thank you so much for watching. On today's program, we have Pastor Sean and Pastor Alex back with us again. Yep, yet again. again. We're getting used to having you guys yeah. here, right? It's I just nice. live here in studio now. They put a cot in the back <laughs> That's for right. me. We may and have to change the name of the program. Yeah. Lessons for Living television with Bill, Alex, and Sean. Oh, yeah. we do it. In, why don't we just start doing it in your basement? Well, you notice how we put my name first. Though. Yeah, yeah, Bill. Is well, we'd have to take these chairs because these are the most comfortable <laughs> chairs. These are great chairs. That's literally why we haven't gotten on a plane and That's left right. again. These chairs, oh, these chairs are nice, man. It's nicer. We'll, we'll sit in the back of the plane. It won't be like this. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, if they only had this in the airplane. Oh, my That's right. Yeah. These seats any more comfortable? We're just your guests for the rest of the show's run. No problem. We'd love Next to have you, man. We're, in, I'm in, we're enjoying uh, the discussion yeah. on the insights that you guys bring. Um, That's a generous word for what <laughs> Alex brings. So. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we've been talking a little bit, you know, as we were preparing for these and some of the topics that we could discuss. Yeah. And this one, I can't, you know, I guess you had done a program on this before and it kind of well, intrigued me, right? Yeah, I used to host a show, a radio show in the U.S. and it was, it was called Disclosure, but we had, it was one hour once a week. If you, drive time radio would be the closest thing, but we had a we had the odd episode we called the bullpen, and we ran this whole series of bullpen shows where we put four guys in studio and let them talk about religion, and we would start that show with like, okay, all the guys are in the treehouse, time to pull up the ladder, no girls allowed, hang out the no girls allowed sign, just men talking, and here's what I found fascinating about that: it took off, it absolutely took off. First of all, how many shows do you have with men other other than pastors, right? Men talking about church and yes, religion, religion and faith right. and that kind of stuff. Not a whole lot. Um, and here's what I found fascinating. We started out with a pretty good male audience, but our number one audience after a while, women. Why? Well, they want to hear what men talk about when they're not around. It's kind of like when you were 15, guys, and you wanted to know, when girls have a slumber party, do they talk about us? The answer is no, <laughs> they don't. No, they don't. <laughs> Absolutely not. But um, they want to know what do men talk about. And it went gangbusters. And so we still have a commitment to bring that back in the future, the bullpen. And so just men talking about life and faith and, and religion and those things. Um, it's a unique niche. Yeah, one of the programs that, you know, you, you, you made reference to, which kind of I, I thought was really interesting, was why men hate going to church. Yeah, it was our That's flagship right. program, Why Men Hate Church. Oh, my goodness, that put the show on the charts. Well, and, and when, you know, and so I... <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I, I went on the internet and I pulled up some stats. Just All right, tell me what you got. It. Well, so interestingly enough, you know, according to Pew Research, which I think is a relatively, you know, no, not bad. Sure. Yeah. No. It's so not belief, as good as Boonstra research, but it's pretty good. <laughs> but it's belief in God among men. 
So 78% of men either are fairly certain God exists or absolutely certain Isn't God that, exists. That's the vast majority. The vast yeah. majority. Importance of religion in their life. We're looking at uh, 83% of men say it's at least somewhat to very... That's very surprising to me. Yeah, 83%. Wow. 83, that's high. Uh, frequency of prayer among men. Hmm. Uh, you're looking here at... Uh, 62% of men pray daily, weekly at least, or daily. That's still a majority. That's, Isn't that that's high? That's amazing. Belief in heaven among men. 67% of men believe, believe in heaven. Now, here's the one that, you know, you had mentioned this, but I went to look. Yeah, you want to. Yeah, he's well, double checking the guests before well, he ever lets we me always, on this set we want to or fact on the check. show. We fact he wants to know that I'm not nuts. Well, Attendance <laughs> at religious services amongst men, according to Pew yep. Research, 68% of men polled said they a few times a year or seldom or never uh -huh. attend. So that's 70% of men right. seldom or never attend church. And, and then it was the other one here, frequency of participation in prayer, scripture, study, religious education groups among men. 62% said seldom or never would they participate. And that's something. So look at the cognitive dissonance there. Yeah, so the 78%. Belief is there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but they won't go. And now, so that's the question. So the, the percentage question. is almost the same. Yes. About as many guys yeah, believe, believe that don't yeah, go. Don't go. That's incredible. Right? And, you know, people doubt this when I bring this up. And I've, I've talked to some women in particular, and they say, no, no, our church is 50-50. Yeah, I said, go back next week and count. Count. It's at best three to one, maybe two to one. I might give some churches two to one, female to male. But more often than not, three to one, five to one, hmm. the men aren't there. They're not there. And it's not because they don't believe. It's not yeah, because they don't the yeah. believe in God. It's not because they don't want to pray. They don't like church. Hmm. They don't like church. Men don't like, men hate church. <laughs> so what is it about how we're doing church that seems to be such a turnoff to, to, to male attendance? Yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, you have to do a lot of deep diving and there have been people who have been looking at this now. You got to do a lot of deep diving and I'm not sure we've entirely figured it out, but hey, here's what I got in my favor. I'm a guy and I'm a religious guy. And so, and look, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor and I don't always like going to church. You know, there's the truth, folks. I don't mind. I'll tell Canada. No, the average church service is not that, no. <laughs> no. And, and you can identify a number of things. Here's what they think. And you can pin the blame on your cousins to the south, the Americans, a little bit, a little bit. Um, and I hold the Canadian passport, so Alex does not, and so we'll blame we'll Alex blame today. Alex, Alex we'll is me. the whole reason yep. that your husband doesn't like church, folks. <laughs> I'm lucky to get into the country, are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I get I 20 questions. I told him to search him. No, here's what they think happened. Look, up until the American Civil War, most men went to church. Now, there's a number of factors there. We don't want to hang everything on this one story because it was a different time. In the 19th century, church was a regular part of everybody's life, and the pastor was a part of your life. He was there for, in some traditions, christening, and you know, others, he was there for your baptism, and he's there for your wedding, and he's there for, for your, your funeral, funeral yeah. and you lived yeah. out your whole life in front, of the, in front of the pastor, and religion was a huge part yes, it was. Of, of everything. Then the American Civil War hit. Men are away. Who's running the church in their absence? Yeah, the women. The women are. Yeah. Did a fantastic job. 
did a fantastic job, but a lot of things changed. And so what they found was that there was a general shift. Now we're talking 1860s, 1870s, post-war. A lot of men after the war had nowhere to go, so they went afield to work on the railway. You know, they're finishing the railway across Canada and the U.S. And they're away working. They're in mines. They're in logging. They're in all sorts of things, and they're gone. And when they come home, there's been just an ever slightly, ever so slight value shift in the church. Nothing wrong with it. But, you know, for starters, they, they came back to church and it was decorated like Queen Victoria would decorate the church. There were mm -hmm. now suddenly at the end of the 19th century lace doilies. And now most meetings were more about let's sit and share our feelings and talk about what's going on in our lives. And men started to check out all the way back then. Mm. It took this long to get to this point. But now guys go and what they're hearing are there's nothing again, nothing wrong with it. Women did a bang up job of running the church better than the men did. But when men came back, there wasn't much there. It's like, we don't want to sit in a circle and share our feelings. We don't want to talk about our family relationships. And, and men aren't wired that way. And right. you'll notice that that still tends to be the case to this day. And, uh, and so a lot of the things that happen in a church setting aren't really addressing the core issues that get to what a man wants out of life or what a man thinks is important in life. Not that church is about addressing what you want. I mean, but what I want to talk about is just what's the atmosphere and the flavor. So when I get to church, do I want to bear all, share feelings? Um, a lot of guys now, I remember trying to drag my unbelieving friends to church and they're like, you guys sing a whole bunch of songs that sound just like love songs and you're singing them to a guy? Right. And they're like, yeah. what? Yeah. And, and you're going to have prayer time and we're all going to hold hands? And, you know, I get it. If you grew up in church, yeah, yeah we're all going to hold hands. Well, it freaks the guys out. No, no, we don't want to do that. And when they do go, watch where men sit. They want to sit at the back of the auditorium if they can help it. Why? That's the closest thing you've got to a remote control in church. Because if you're uncomfortable, you can get you're out go, the right? door in two seconds. You don't yeah, have nobody, to march out in yeah, front of everybody. Right. Nobody notices. Right. So we like to hold the remote control. I don't know what it's like in your yeah. homes, but my wife just gives up and hands me the remote. Here you <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> Guys aren't much different when they get to church. Interesting. And I know a lot of times we think, oh, we got to entertain the men. That's not what they're after. You know, well, if it was as entertaining as the Super Bowl, they'd come. No, no, no. Churches that tried that didn't get any more men coming either. What do men want? They want to make something happen. They want to go conquer something. They want to fix something. If you get a group of men together, I mean, a church could tool around men very successfully. Look, we've got a problem. We're not feeding the hungry in this community. And this is a problem. We're not able to get a feeding station over here because the city said no. And we're not able to do this or that. Put the guys on the problem. They'll map out. They'll set up a little war room. They'll put a map on the wall. They'll map it out. And now they've got a, something to conquer. Mm. And that's what they need. They don't want to share their feeling. Men don't do that very often. I saw a statistic the other day. The average man has one good friend in his lifetime. Once you're, say, past 50 years of age, you're going to have one good friend. You know who it is? It's your spouse. It's your wife. And I got this from Mike Tucker at the marriage seminar mm -hmm. the other day. He's like, you know, um, we were listening to Mike Tucker. He teaches marriage seminars, and he lost his wife tragically a few years ago. And the average guy remarries within 15 months or so. Interesting. Women last two, three, four years. Wow. Right? Because they got a circle of friends that are really close and intimate. Men don't do that. And when they get to church, their intimacies for my home, intimacies with my wife, intimate. And I'm not, you know, I'm talking emotional intimacy. Yes. They don't want to share that. We like yeah. to sit around and talk about what happened this week. Exactly. And we like to whine and complain about everything. Men love that. We'll sit in your garage, Bill, and whine and complain. But, Bill, I'm not about to tell you how my feelings got hurt yesterday. Exactly. That's right. I'm not going to do that. And so I think we saw the value shift. And so I think a lot of churches 
you know, the praise songs often sound like love songs. Nothing wrong with them, but you got to think about the guys. Do you really want to hug everybody during the welcoming time in church? Are you sure every guy wants to do that? You want to hold hands while we're praying and singing and hold hands for... T- I don't like it. I don't like holding hands. Um, those are some of the things we don't think about. But that's as, as you start talking to men and ask them. First of all, they're not going to tell you why they don't like church. But once you're close enough and they start... These are the things you're going to hear. Well, what's there for me? What's there for me? I... I'm, I think, you know, I've been a Christian for most of my life. I, yeah. I think this is the first time I've ever heard a discussion on, on this, on yeah. why men don't yeah. like, don't like church. I don't think it's something that, you know, as a pastor has ever really crossed my mind is my, like, you know, is my church, is my church a welcoming church for guys, for guys? Yeah. So I, I think there's an assumption that you, you're going to do church the way you're going to do church. And, and, and people are just going to come, come because you have the Bible and because you have the Holy, uh, Holy Spirit there. And, and that's going to take care of it, but um, but but that's not the case. We're a very relational type of, of of individuals, and and each one has their their needs in in different ways. And I think a church has to has to understand those those needs as well. I I do think that there's there's something else going on uh, as well, along with with what uh, what Sean just uh, just just mentioned. Uh, th- there's been a change over the last 200, 300 years, you know, with with this concept of of capitalism and the in- industrial revolution, uh, where at some point, you have to ask the question: What what is the value of an individual, and and how does how does a man value himself? And that that has completely changed in society. Mm-hmm. So well, with with capitalism, all of a sudden, the value of people is what can they produce? What can they work? How much money can they? It's it, it's yes. become very fiscal. Yes. And so you you've got this uh, this sort of change in society now, and and we see this. Uh, and I've been doing some research on mental health, and we we've been seeing this on mental health. Why'd you point at me when you said that? Oh, it's well, like just, you know, if the, sh- yeah, just, <laughs> we'll leave that right there, but mental yeah. health. <laughs> so, you know, with, with, with the, uh, prior to capitalism, you had, you had individuals with mental health that were, that would stay home and be taken care of by their family. But as soon as, as the society said, everybody has to produce, everybody has to work, all of a sudden, what do you do with, with folks that are strugg- struggling with mental health? Well, that's where the asylums came, came from. You place them into an asylum because you have to go work and, and make money. Yeah, you couldn't be home well, looking after them, right? Yeah. For the last few hundred years, we have been instilling that in, in men. What is your value? Your mm-hmm. value is you go out, you work, you make money. That's what makes you a valuable man. Well, church doesn't allow for that. All of a sudden, we have we have religion. This concept of religion. If you if you think about the the story of the um, uh, of the uh, not the prodigal son, but the uh, the rich young ruler, you think about that that particular story. The message there is: sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. That is completely against what society has ta- has taught men to do in 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 in, to, in today's world, and so now you have this this tension of what we have taught men that their value is, and what Scripture is trying to tell men that uh, that their value is. Somehow, as as pastors, we we have to come to grips with that. We have to we have to find ways to to transform or change men or bring them back to a healthy understanding of what of what their value is mm. you know with uh, with Jesus as he came to the disciples he said to uh, to the fishermen he says you guys are fantastic you're fishers of men I mean you're fishers you're fishermen and uh, and you probably make a great living but I'm gonna make you fishers of men 
Which is what, though, right? That's, well, we're going to make something happen here. A absolutely. We're going to get a great big hole. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Using their talents and their skill sets yep. to, to say, hey, what you, ha what you have done, what you know, the skill sets, that that's not something that's lost. You don't have to shelve all of that now show up in church. But we are going to take those things, and now we're going to bring we're it into church, it, and we're going to channel it yeah. into what the Lord wants us uh, or needs us to do in the last days. I think that that's that's what the church hasn't done really, really well with 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 men. And until we do, I don't think we're going to see uh, men men come back. No. Here's here's something interesting that you just said a moment ago. As a pastor, I never asked this. Well, this is not going to come as great news to a lot of pastors, but. Pastors tend to lean more towards some of the more traditionally feminine values. We love conversations. I'm I'm the chatty one in my house. I mean, yeah, me too. So I can't shut me up. She's like, can't get in a word edgewise. That's not typical. You know, there are male typical interests, and that's usually not one of them. And so we tend to lean a little more that way. And, you know, people for years have been saying, oh, the church is a patriarchy. No, the pastor, it's a patriarchy. Who runs the church? Who really runs the church? Not the guys. Yes. But we, you know, pastors, especially since the American Civil War, have, okay, yeah, we go to teas and we go to potlucks and we go to, and we, and we thrive in that. I thrive in that. But those tend to lean a little more to more female typical interests. And I know I'm stereotyping. I get it. It's 20, but let's be real about it. Your husbands aren't going to church. Let's ask some real questions. Yeah. Let's ask some real questions. And so we miss it often because we live in that environment. We don't see it. Um, but I've often asked people, look, if your church service was a daytime, as a daily TV show, what slot would it be in? What would it look most like? Would it look most like, you know, um, the Property Brothers or would it look more like Oprah? Yeah. You know, which one? Yeah. And which one are those tailored for? Yes. Guys want something to do. We're hunters. We want to give me a project. If my wife gives me a project, I want you to man, I'm going to nail that. It's going to be the best thing she's ever seen. You know, you were telling me the other day, you worked on your bathroom all night, hoping mm -hmm. your wife would notice when she came home in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. And she, she walked right by and went to bed yeah. <laughs> as much as you worked midnight shift. You know, so. <laughs> but we, we, we have the sense to be affirmed. We, we, it's not like you have to pay us, you, you, especially in the church setting. Right. We, we just, we just need to feel needed and, and that people recognize that we have something to bring to the table and that, that our skill sets, well, they don't have to be put on a shelf because, well, church doesn't really, really match that. Uh, can you use me the way that, that, that I am? And, and I think that we can. I, th I think that there's, there's many things that, that the church needs men for. Um, you know, when I say that, it actually brings another conversation that you and I had had, Kurt or Sean, uh, a long time ago about, about the fact that, um, that there has been a shift in society where it comes to, um, how men are portrayed. Okay. Yeah. Men used to be important. Men used to be, you know, uh, kept at a, at a high regard. The, the family circle was strong. Children were looked to, uh, were trained to look up to, to men and their fathers. And, and now that, that has, has been totally now, erased. What's the message in most sitcoms today? Who's the idiot yeah, in most the, TV it's shows? Father, yeah. It's the father. Yeah. And I have no problem with that because we don't complain much about it. I'll laugh at that too. But, you know, it, it does trickle into church to the point where, okay, you're going to finally get your husband to church because they're having a special Father's Day weekend. What's the sermon about? How to be a better father. Not thank you, not fathers are a model. Here's what you're doing wrong. That's the sermon. And that's okay in this society to tell men what they're doing wrong. They get enough of that. 
six days a week. They're told every day what they're doing wrong, and we do lots of things wrong. You know, oh, we're yeah, not we the do. we're not the smarter half of most marriages, and that's true. We're doing a lot of things wrong. Do I want to go to church and have the pastor tell me what else mm -hmm. I'm doing wrong as a man, or do I want to find my place in God's kingdom and find some meaning and purpose when I'm there? Interesting. Well, you know, it, it's it's not that different, I guess, the knock that is against the church, which is that the church spends too much time talking, not enough time doing. Oh, there's truth to that. I mean, I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, that's true. A lot of our communities, uh, you know, one of the things we've talked about at our church, you know, when when COVID hit and uh, places were shut down, like there was really no. I can just speak to my community. There was not a lot of pushback to shutting down the churches. There wasn't. No, you're right. And I began to think, well, maybe that's because our community doesn't see any relevance to us there. Like, there, it doesn't make any difference whether we're there, like we're open or not. Right. There was no pushback. They didn't f say, no, 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 wait a sec. You can close down these other establishments, but we need... Didn't consider you essential. That's right. We're not essential. Exactly. We need these guys here because of what they're doing. Interesting. That is helping our, you know, you know, our community. And so, you know, maybe that is an indictment just on, on the church. Let's say, you know, you look at, we're not just yeah. active enough. And if you look at it, there's a spark in the heart of most men that's still there and they'll respond to it for free, as you say, for free. We want... We want to make a difference. And so you look at the original Gospel Commission. Jesus says, you're going to wait here in Jerusalem, but here's the assignment. You're going to go from here to Judea, to Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. Got to tell you, there's something rings a bell in a man's heart. What, the uttermost parts of the earth were taken on the planet? That's right. Like, we don't even know how to take on the planet. I haven't got a clue how to do it, right. but I'm well, doing do that. It. I'm going to yeah. do that. Yeah. The men in your life will do that. You know, what's not working in your church? Put the guys on it. Let them try, you know? Um, and they'll come up with an answer. Let them make things happen. You know, what's the average activity in the church? Do they want to get together for a tea or do they want to have an out, a wilderness camp for the kids? Right. Let those guys go out there and teach the kids to build fires and, and, and they'll show up. They'll show up. They want to do that. Now we're making a difference. There's a lack of fatherhood in today's day and age. There's a lot of kids don't have a dad figure. Let your dads, you know, there's a lot of single homes where uh, like a big brothers type program. Let the guys do that. Let the guys teach young men how to drive, how to act like a man, how to fix use power things. tools. Yeah. How to use That's power right. tools. Yeah. Every man needs power tools. Yeah. It's... Here's what's fascinating. If you look across world religions, Buddhism, 50-50, male, female. Hinduism, 50-50, male, female. Judaism, 50-50. The, the lack of attendance is really just Christianity now. Isn't that interesting? Now, why? It's, yeah, why? That's well, you pointed out. Yeah. We're not less religious. Yes. What is it that we're telling men religion is about? God created the male and female. There's both sides of God. And there's something for guys here, too. There's both sides. We need each other. I can't really understand God. And that's why God compares marriage to the church relationship. When I'm with my wife, I see a side of God I wouldn't get anywhere else. But the reverse is supposed to be true, too. We're supposed to see God in the men, too. Hmm. It's fast. That's, that's very deep. I don't know if it's deep. No, that's <laughs> that. That is incredible. Yeah. Very well put. Okay, so we've got about a couple minutes left. So men, go to church. Just go to church, men. <laughs> <laughs> Quit disappointing your wives and that's go. That's right. So, what advice would you give to uh, a congregation that's out there right now? I mean, you've given them some. Give me a, a two-minute synopsis of what you would tell a congregation today, how they're going to be more welcoming look, or more accommodating of... Look at everything. Look at the greeters. The male members of society. Look at the people on the platform. Are there guys there? 
does your church talk about having a sense of direction in the community? Guys respond to that. How much emotional content is there? Guys don't want to sing for 45 minutes. They're open to a sermon, a longer one than you might think. But cast vision. Guys love that. Tell them what we're going to try and make happen. They'll join you. Just, but, but analyze it. Watch your church now with new open eyes and ask myself, does this look more like, you know, I watch Oprah, so no, but, but does it look more like Oprah or does it look more like Bob Villa? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the other, the other thing too is Acts chapter two, it says the Holy Spirit was poured out and thousands were converted in a right. day. The church has been designed to make disciples, preach, teach, and baptize. And when we, when we take our focus away from, from that, then I think that we, we lose a lot, of, a lot of folks that, uh, men and women combined, but I, but I see a lot of men, they, they must be used in the gospel work. And so churches need to, need to become evangelistic. Amen to that. That's, we're gonna close our program with prayer. Okay. Gracious God, loving Heavenly Father, we just want to lift up all of those men. Father, draw them to your church. Make our churches welcoming places for the male members of our society. We thank you for everything that you're doing to just let this world know of how much we are loved and how your desire is to see us all in the kingdom one day. Bless each and every viewer, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've come to that time in our program where we have our book offer. On each and every broadcast, we make a resource available. And that's how things work out. We have a book here entitled A Pale Horse Rides. Sean, have you ever heard of that book before? Yeah, I've heard about that book. Man, you just get the worst <laughs> authors on this show. Hey, I wrote that. I wrote that. Tell us a little bit about A Pale Horse Rides. Pale Horse Rides. I've been fascinated by the ancient history of Christianity. It's one of my specialties. And this comes from a period where something spectacular happens in Europe. We all know that Christians botched it in the Dark Ages. We botched it. Come on, we were burning people at the stake. We married church and state in Western Europe, but there was one example, and that's what this is. Out on the British Isles, suddenly a bunch of, you know, bloodthirsty Celts that were drinking blood out of human skulls basically one week suddenly become Christian within the space of two or three years. Hmm. And they travel all over Europe. They gather up copies of the scriptures that were being neglected. And to this day, across the Irish countryside, you'll find ancient manuscripts, 1,800 years old, stuffed in people's barns. And they kept Christianity alive from the, from the early 400s up to about 660 BC, uh, AD, that is. Um, this is their story. And it's like, what would Christianity look like if we got all the politics back out of it and all they had was a Bible? That's what this book is because we actually have an experiment in that. Excellent. Well, we'd love to send you this as a gift from Lessons for Living Television. If you're interested, pay close attention to the information we're about to provide you. To receive today's free offer, you can log on to the Lessons for Living Television website, www.l4ltv.com. That's the Lessons for Living Television website, www.alforltv.com. You can also write us at Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. And we would be happy to send the offer out to you. That's Post Office Box 27030, Simcoe Conlon Post Office, Oshawa, Ontario, L1G 0A3. If you live in Canada, this offer will be sent out to you free and postage paid. For viewers living outside of Canada, shipping charges will apply. If you wish, you can order this offer by calling our 1-800 number and speaking with one of our volunteers at 
Well, we've come to the end of another program. I want to remind you that Sean and Alex are going to be in Calgary beginning uh, April 14. 14. Actually, April 10, we've got a archaeology seminar going on at Windsport. April 14, we're going to do a prophecy seminar for the public. We'll just teach you how to read Bible prophecy for yourself, give you the tools you need. You'll be reading like a Bible scholar by the time we're done. You really will. Excellent. Where can they get information on that? Go to revelationspeakspeace.com, revelationspeakspeace.com, and uh, you can register for a seat. We'll hold one there, I think up to six seats for you and your family. You can That's register right. and we'll hold that for you. And uh, seats are free, but the best ones, the best ones are reserved. We want to encourage all of our viewers to join you guys in Calgary beginning April the 10th and then the 14th for the Bible Prophecy Seminar. We'll have a link on our website at l4ltv.com. We are all out of time. Thank you so much for joining. We hope to see you back again next time. God bless you. We'll see you then.